0: Welcome to the Art and Science of Complex Sales. This is a podcast where we explore how the best B2B sales leaders make the complex simple, drive relationships and revenue, and generally elevate the sales profession. In this podcast, we're bringing together sales experts, thought leaders, top account executives, buyers, industry insiders, all to share their experiences and best practices for navigating the complex sales cycle. So whether you're a seasoned sales professional a sales leader, are just starting out, you're going to find practical insights and actionable advice that you can apply to your own sales journey. Plus, we have a bit of fun. Derek Baer is living his dream. As the Vice President of Corporate Training at Curlin & Associates, Derek's mission is to uncover untapped growth potential and his clients and help them execute for success. A lifelong learner, Derek is passionate about the work, learning from some of the best in the field and passing along those lessons to others. He hosts a fantastic long-form podcast, unearthing the lessons of some amazing guests on constructing success. So let's dive in with Derek Baer.
1: Derek, my man, welcome to the show. Paul, thank you very much for having me. I'm honored to be here.
0: Yeah, no, it's awesome. And uh, truth be told, this is one of our first conversations, but I, I've been following your work on LinkedIn and I know the organization with you. So I'm I'm really pumped about the stuff you can bring to the table today.
1: Well, I'll, I'll bring my A game. I'll do my best to bring my A game. And yes, this is our first official meeting. So it's, right. a, it's a pleasure to meet you and I'm looking forward to the conversation.
0: Well, if you're working with Curlin, I'm not, I'm not sure you have a B game actually allowed <sighs> we'll find out
1: we'll find <laughs> out you're probably not allowed yeah
0: yeah no <laughs> i think uh i got i we talked about that i have so much respect for the man and the stuff that they build and um so let's talk a, a couple of things we talked a little bit before and i i think you have a fascinating story about sales how you got into sales how you view sales. Let's start with your journey in sales. Where did you, uh, where'd you get started and, and how'd that go?
1: Well, do you mind if I, if I actually take it a step further back into yeah. the history? So, yeah. so the way that I got into sales, and I, I don't, we'll, we'll let the, the listeners decide if this is sales to them, but I was 13 years old, which I don't know if you can do this now. But I was 13 years old and I got a job as a golf caddy at a really, really, really nice golf course um, on the east side of Seattle called Newcastle. And this is my first job where I could get tips. And it was after the first round where I realized that, well, getting tips, so it's not after the first round, after the second round when I realized tips can vary. And that I was selling myself. So the better I was and the better I served the golfer and the more I was able to say, and I didn't golf at the time. So I just pick up on what I was seeing out on the course, but the more I was able to say, you know, I'd use a pitching wedge here instead of the eight, the better my tips got. So that is where I first had a selling role, if you will, and then restaurant work from there. And then my first professional selling gig, if you will, was in inside sales and making a hundred cold calls per day. We had a, uh, we had a sales process if you want to call it that, but it was cold calling one call close. And I did really well there. And I transitioned from there. And that's where our story picks up from the inside sales role to outside sales. And in the outside sales role, it felt Like I was traveling around a territory, shaking hands, dropping off business cards, giving literature and marketing materials, dropping off samples. It was almost like I was more on the customer service side. And I remember thinking to myself, as much as the accounts that I was calling on liked me and as friendly as I was. I remember having anxiety about whether or not I would get a call the next day saying you're done. And the reason I was concerned was there was no tangible evidence of whether I was performing or not. I had no control over how the sales would pull through. I was in pull through sales, but I didn't know if a conversation I had would lead to a sale that day or five years down the road. And so this is where. Dave Curlin and Baseline Selling enters the picture. The company I was with had hired Dave or had hired Curlin um, and Associates. And we had a consultant named Dennis Connolly come in. Okay. And when Dennis Connolly came in, he blew my mind. His objection handling. I remember being at the sales kickoff and thinking, this guy, how is he going to tell me what to do? He doesn't know my accounts. He doesn't, he hasn't walked a day in my shoes and I'm going to try to blow him up a little bit at the sales kickoff. So I put up some objections and it was like, it was like being with a ninja or like a black belt in (laughs) jujitsu. And he just so smoothly and easily lowered my resistance, asked me questions that made me think like, holy shit, this guy is good. And just every the way he handled every barrier that I put in front of him, it was like he was a magician. And in that second, I mean, it took one second for me to be bought in. I'm coachable, but you've got to be able to show me that you're a coach worth following. And so when he came in, I just embraced the baseline selling methodology. I. Every second that I could learn more or read more, I bought the book. I was using the flashcards. I just soaked it up. And my career, my career in general improved. But within this organization, I was, I would say within roughly eight months, I was promoted to an international sales role. So I was covering part of Canada, the West Coast, or the Pacific Northwest into, I would say as far out as North and South Dakota, but then I had from Central America down to Argentina. So if that wasn't the proof in the pudding, like there was no question that this was the right thing for me to be doing. And if I look back and this is rewind 11 years ago, the people that didn't buy in at that company, and, and I shit you not, this is real, the people that didn't buy in are still in the same role, in the same position, haven't improved their station in life, if you will, what, whatsoever. And using everything that I absorbed from this training, I was able to advance my career. I was able to start a company. And on a personal level, I was able to, I learned how to listen. And I think I mentioned this a little bit, but, you know, even to carry over to family or friends or or dating, dating, dating and not presenting everything about me and, oh, I've done this, this and that, like almost every guy that you hear when you're out at a, at a bar or restaurant that's, that's trying to look cool in front of their date. I was asking really good questions. When did you do that? Tell me more. How'd that make you feel? And they would sit and look back at me and just say, wow, I feel like I know you so well. You're such a good listener. And my, my, these light bulb moments, I'm like, holy shit. I am so fortunate that I was able to, um, encounter this training. And I was so fortunate that my company was willing to invest in me. So I told you, I take off on these little rants. There's my first one.
0: Well, that's awesome. So let, let's, I want to dive a little bit because let's, mm-hmm. let's dive on that. So pick the two or three aspects then. So what did you learn specifically, uh, from that, from baseline training or the experience that really helped? I heard one, I heard listening mm-hmm. and asking questions, but what are, like, put it, put, what are some of the things that really helped your sales career take off?
1: So listening is going to be, I want to double down on that. Because okay. the, the second piece I'm going to add in is differentiating yourself. So by listening, immediately I differentiated myself. I was able to understand the concerns, worries, fears, issues, pain in the ass, whatever you want to call it, that the prospect was having. Now, mm-hmm. prior to that, I'm not even going to say, I won't talk about any other companies. I'll talk about me versus me. The, the entire time or as much as I can. The previous Derek would go in and talk about the product and how much it can do for them. And that is so wildly inappropriate for me to come in and tell how my product is going to help you when I don't even know what your struggles are. And in consultative selling, which you have to listen really, really well to sell consultatively, and we use the doctor analogy all the time, is imagine you set up a doctor's appointment and you walk in and before you've even talked about a thing, the doctor says, here's what I prescribe and uh, yeah, let me know how it works. This is going to be the right fit for you. I would turn around and run out of that doctor's office. So listening falls into consultatively selling. And I would say major differentiation as well. And, and this wasn't, this is just for anyone out there that's looking to improve their game. This isn't necessarily in, involved in a, in a methodology, but being indifferent and it, not being indifferent, like, Oh, I just don't care about anything, but. It's so easy to smell commission breath. It's so easy to hear when someone's just pushing and pushing and pushing. And when they're pushing, that's their agenda. And I look at sales, the way I view sales, if done correctly, we're here to serve. And if you have an issue, I'm going to serve you with what I think is the best solution for you, whether that's with me or without me. And that's a big thing to pick up on. I'm going to do what's right for you. And I don't care if I'm getting paid for it. And I don't care if you continue with me. Now, being that it's a service, if I'm not listening, and if there is no problem, and I continue to steamroll you, now I'm a pain in your ass. And I never want to be that person. So I'm not saying to not hang in there when you're on a sales call. I'm not saying to push back or ask the next good question. But if someone says, I'm going to use a dating analogy again. Okay. we am mm-hmm. going to use, I'm going to, we'll use dating. We could say marriage. And I, I used this yesterday. So hopefully I don't offend anyone with this. If you are six months into your new marriage and I'm going to use Cindy Crawford. Okay, that's that's my old since I was little. That's my all-time crush. So Cindy Crawford comes up and says to me, Hey Derek, oh my gosh, it's so good to meet you. Like, do you want to go on a date? If I'm six months into this new relationship and I couldn't be happier, it doesn't matter who in the world it is. I'm not interested. I'm happy. Now let's fast forward and I'm knocking on wood. I hope this never happens to me, but let's say it's 15 years later, I'm just fresh off of a divorce, I'm getting separated, and Cindy Crawford approaches me. I'm gone. I'm going Mm -hmm. on that date. And so in general, me included, I've been this. We don't listen to people saying, I'm happy. I have no, oh, great. You could make me 20% more. I don't want 20% more. What if when I switch to you so that I can make 20% more money, I hate you. And I hate your services. And they're unreliable so that, that's a little, no, I,
0: I can't agree with you more. I mean, one of the things that, uh, I, I remember this one, it's one time I'm sitting in uh, an office with my buddy, Michael. And, uh, we, it was a, it was a call and this guy had been calling and calling and calling. And so, and at the time I was running a sales of a service company. So I was like, mm-hmm. I, I respected people that, you know, didn't give up. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so I picked, uh, I picked it up and I put it on speakerphone. And, uh, it was a guy that was selling event services. He essentially got on the phone and he told me, he told me immediately that he was going to be able to increase my business 50% that he was going to be able to get me in front of all the, the right decision makers. He told me immediately that he was you know, going to be able to help me, help me sell. And then, uh, one of the really funny things I was like, I stopped, I was like, what business? Cause I had, we had a couple of businesses at the time. It's like, what business are you calling in for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, and he had the cur- the absolute wrong business. He had, you know, he didn't know anything about me, but he had just he had gone down all the bullet points, you know. And the and it's so it's so truthful that value is completely in the ears and the eyes of the beholder. Right, there is nothing you can get from as a salesperson that you can achieve with somebody without first listening and understanding. Totally. And one of the things that's that's really interesting to me moving from that, because a lot of times culturally that is not well understood. And I I think we say it a lot, but it's not well understood in practice, meaning you went from a, an SDR, BDR, Mm -hmm. you know, role where you're, where you're on the phone consistently, right? A hundred phone calls a day and boom, boom, Mm -hmm. boom, boom, boom. You got to be able to talk smoothly. You got to be able to be fast, think on your feet. A lot of times people don't, and there's a process that you just follow, right? A lot of Mm -hmm. times people don't include questioning in that process. They don't include understanding. So moving from that, do you see that a lot in the market where people are moving from that to kind of where you were and like, what the hell do I do in outside sales?
1: Yeah. So I I can't speak for everybody. It's going to be company to company. And and Mm -hmm. for all I know, there's companies out there that have their own process pre-built and they have their methodology that they're using. If for the listener that can't see my face right now, I'm now getting a shit a shitty ding grin because as I'm saying I can't <laughs> as I'm saying I can't speak for every company, being on the consulting side, I see it a lot. Mm. A lot that there is no process and and salespeople are lost. They're they're lost. and more more often than not, one thing that some of the things that I really enjoy about the consulting side is being able to help the not even younger, just the person that was in my shoes that were lost. And with the outside sales role, that goes to you're in an autonomous role. You could be in four different states. No one knows where you're at. You don't necessarily see, at least in my experience, we were working through two step distribution and then going through another business, and we have no idea what's really going on. And we're just constantly pushing and constantly trying because that's what we think. Um, Yeah, I'm going on a rant again. But yeah, I I see it more often than not. They're out there and they think they're doing a good job. Yeah, had a great meeting. And the sales manager, the sales leader goes, awesome. Uh, What was great about it? What did you guys talk about? Did you uncover any problems? Oh, you went golfing again. Okay. And then we think... Because we build such good relationships and I don't want to ruffle the feathers and I don't want to ask how things are really going. I just want to keep taking you out to dinner and playing golf. We're hoping and praying that that'll lead to an order. And Mm -hmm. fast forward every year, we don't get it. And we're, oh, next year will be the year. Our program wasn't as good. We didn't give as good of a rebate. No one gives a shit about one or 2%. It's about being taken care of the right way. And without... I mean, there, there's so many things I'm taking off in different directions of methodology no, no, and have things in process, but we just don't have enough. I'm going to, I'm going I'm to monkey branch from this to sales management. And, and I've been guilty of this as well. This is anything that I'm talking shit about. I've done. Let's go into sales management. Sales managers don't want to be micromanagers. And I didn't want to be a micromanager either. So what would make a micromanager versus a value manager? And a micromanager is someone that's talking to you once a week. I mean, it could be more, but talking once a week, hey, have you made this call? Did you do this? Almost like they're a police officer or a hall monitor. Mm -hmm. A value-based manager is checking in. It could be a daily call. And and as I'm saying this, I'm sure people are going, daily, that's way too much. I get so much value from Dave and Dennis on a daily basis because they're not policing me. They're asking if I need anything. And I've got two guys that I would consider they are in the 0.0001% of all salespeople. So I would be a complete dumbass to not ask them questions, to not say, you know, I got stonewalled here. Can you help me out here? And when they give me value and they help me get over it, i want to talk to them as much as i can now the opposite side of that is the sales manager like i said that's pleasing that doesn't help you with any strategy there's no pre-call strategy there's no post-call debrief they're looking at your pipeline and going okay it looks pretty full they're not going through and saying what's real and what's not what's actually Mm going to close oh this has been in here for 16 months and you haven't heard from them from them in 16 months why the fuck is this in your pipeline, dude? I'm not mad at you, but like let's let me teach you what's real and what's not. So I'm going all over the place. But that, no, this is actually <laughs> how
0: I feel this is exactly where we need to go. Cause it okay. so, you know, one of the things I'm hearing you say is absolutely two things popped out to you and and changed your sales life. Mm-hmm. You know, listening. And then methodology. And that methodology as a part of it has coaching and discipline within it. Mm-hmm. Right. And one of the things that I I completely resonate with this idea relative to sales managers and sales coaching. And let's see if you resonate with this, because I, I think one of the key things that is is lacking today in sales management is we think we're managing by the numbers. Like we're taught to manage by the numbers and manage by activity and all this stuff. I mean, again, I ran a sales a service business. I knew the Mm -hmm. importance of activity and the importance of hitting numbers. And, but so many sales managers, that's all they know. And then they use that as a blunt instrument. Mm -hmm. Your goal is 50 calls today. Mm -hmm. Why didn't you make 50 calls today? Right. What if that person, you know, got seven meetings. Right. Right. Today. Right. Or, And so there's, there's stories that, that numbers are really bad at telling. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, I don't think in general companies invest enough in their sales managers and that, that first level sales manager to help them understand the, the story that's been being told as well as how to then arm the rep with getting better at uncovering that story. Mm Um, So tell me like, and you nailed that with Dave and Dennis, like how, how, and how do you help people with that as well? Like, cause it's not just the numbers.
1: It's so much more. No. Yeah. it's, It's not the numbers. So accountability is important. And the sales manager is to be there for accountability. The sales manager also should err on the side of empowerment over monitoring. So, Hey, I'm looking at your numbers. We're a little off here. How can I help? As opposed to just get out there and make more calls, see more people, make more appointments, whatever that is. And well, when I'm saying accountability and I'm saying empowerment, there's there's more to it. So you need to be an authority figure, but not an authority figure in a scary, I'm going to get in trouble. I can't wait for my boss to go on vacation way you need yeah. to be an authority figure because they need to respect you and believe in what you say now the way to establish that authority figure without leading by fear and intimidation is by also checking in and when i'm saying checking in it could be hey paul i'm looking at your uh, i'm looking at your kpis and you didn't make a call last week what's going on like are you okay And maybe, maybe, and I keep going back to breakups, but maybe you're going through a breakup and maybe you've got a family member that's sick or maybe something is going on and that sales manager that is doing their job to be your coach, to be your leader, to be your friend, to be your therapist at times, needs to have that check in and say, why don't we do this? Take, uh, why don't you take Friday and Monday off? Do some R&R come back Tuesday when you're refreshed. And if Tuesday is not ready, or if you're not ready on Tuesday, let's push it to Wednesday. But when you come back in, we are back to the Paul that I know, and we're going to hit the ground running. How about that? And you are going to be like, holy shit. I love my manager. I will run through a wall for my manager. And when you're getting that type of feedback, that type of care from someone that's in a leadership position, that's when the recruiter that calls you up and says, Hey, I, I got a job for you. You can make 50 grand more. You're like, I'm not interested. I don't really care about that. I love this person and I will do anything for them. And until they leave, I'm not going anywhere because they're invested in me. And not that I owe them, but I would be wild. I would be crazy not to hang around. So once again, I don't know if I'm <laughs> taking. No, you're making anyway. perfect
0: sense. One of that I'm going to refer you. I want you to listen to an episode of this uh, of this podcast or for everybody on on this as well uh james rory he talks about the differentiation between a power leader and a servant leader and your definition of sales as sales as service i'm not talking Mm -hmm. customer service right i'm talking about sales as as a servant leader Mm -hmm. right is exactly where he goes with that and and because there is the difference and he says you listen to it. He's like, I was a power leader. I was that guy. I was that asshole that, you know, I, everybody would be in there at six thirty at night and I'd still be pounding it, Get me a number and get it closed and just do whatever it takes. But he completely flipped. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and what he found when he flipped is exactly what you're saying is mm-hmm. that people wanted to work for him, wanted to work with him. It, his career changed, his life changed, his, um, And so that lesson in and of itself of that, you're that you're bringing today of listening, listening within a methodology and then coaching for service and and raising up and empowerment rather than, I mean, I I love how you said that authority, you need to be a thought, you need to be an authority figure, but you, you do that by earning respect. You don't, you don't, don't do that by demanding respect.
1: Right. Well, in in the demand of respect, and I'm, I'm not going to use any, I'm never going to use names when it's <clears throat> anything negative, but I've worked with many, I'll just say many, many organizations now, and I don't know if I want to change the way they said it. If this person listened to it, they'd know exactly who they were. I'll just say it doesn't matter because if you're listening to this, you got to change your shit. One way that they led was they said, why? This is a quote. And I heard this probably 15 times being around them. Why? Because I signed your fucking checks. That was the message. And, everybody, and everybody in that, no, everybody that yeah. worked there was stressed out. They were working in fear. They mm-hmm. were attempting to perform because they were so scared of making a mistake or getting fired or getting cut. And when you think about that from a sports position, let's just say you're playing a sport. You can't play scared and you can't play hurt or excuse me. hold Hold on. Hold on. Not that you can't play in fear like being scared. Like, oh, if my arms hurt, I'm not going to swing all the way through because I don't want to hurt my arm. Yeah, We can't be playing like, oh, if I'm a football player and I'm a wide receiver, oh, I'm worried about catching this pass because I've got a concussion. I shouldn't be out here. And if I get hit one more time, I'm smoked. Because when yep. you're playing like that, your body is not where it needs to be. And you want to be like... AI- Most people, you're not going to be able to see me, but like, I want to be stretched out. I want to be relaxed. I want to be flowing. I want to be like, I just came out of a yoga class and it's like, all right, guys, let's get this done today. And instead of putting in a 16 hour day of cold calling and fear, let's make four hours really count. Let's get out of here. So we're rested for tomorrow. But it's night and day difference in leadership. And it's night and day difference between respect and following. And it's night and day difference about, you know, unless maybe someone's a sociopath or a narcissist and just doesn't care how they're perceived. Like I want an organization that is, you know, some of my, some of my employees or colleagues are inviting me to their wedding because they really value me. I don't want them being like, okay, everyone's invited except for Derek. I hate that guy. So yeah, yeah i ranting again, but this is some of the things I've it's seen. Not a
0: rant, it's like this, the, the, the uh, golf swing, right? Is oh. that is... <laughs> you ever get up there on that first tee and you're like, and there's, you know, nine people in the, in the group watching you and you haven't played in two years. And at least this is me. If I just go up there and forget everything, I'm like, I'm here to have fun. And I don't, I, you know, then a swing just comes back and I hit it down. But if I, if I clench, if I get it all like try, like try it, mm-hmm. like it goes, I, I hit a I hit had a, at a right angle. Right. Yeah. And so, and And that's where you're i think that is one of the great great things a coach can bring is to to empower somebody to be able to to make things their own mm-hmm. and leverage their skills and abilities in their own way not having to mimic anybody but and not be afraid of failure because mm-hmm. like you I've been around a lot of sales organizations right and the ones that that are fear dominated and people are afraid of failure you have very little very little change to the positive in terms of innovation that comes out of the sales team innovation that comes out you know there's nobody that's stretching themselves it's like oh man i want to go after this right right so i could i could assume what that organization looks like when somebody says well do it because i sign your fucking check yeah it's I, I get that. You know, it's like it's like you're clenched. You you, mm-hmm. you will only do you will you will do things out of compliance,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? It's mm-hmm. compliance, it's not commitment.
1: And there's a very big difference between the two. Mm-hmm. It, it's so funny, just you mentioning golf. So funny side piece to this story is I was at a golf tournament for this organization. And this leader that I'm talking about was on the tee box. And as I walked up, it was almost like Minions. All of his his, um, employees that were there were just super focused. Don't look away. Watch him take his swing. And one of them looks back at me and says, watch this. He's really good. Now, a little bit of the information, some background information was... He and I, he's about 15 years older than me. And I i, I know he really respected me. And mm-hmm. we both played at different times, community college baseball, same okay. league. So, yeah. so they say, watch him. He's really good. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking to myself, he's going to try to impress me right now. And he tightens up and just drives it right into a tree. And that's exactly what we're talking about. He yeah. wasn't being himself because he was trying to impress or trying to show his power or whatever and completely screwed up and then all the all the all the scared employees were clapping you know like, oh that never happens to me. it was crazy yeah, i felt, we'll get it next time get it next I, time it felt like i was in i hope this doesn't offend anyone i felt like i was in north korea that that's i'm serious yeah. it was like toilet zone like okay whatever All right, see you guys but yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I hope I don't offend anyone with that. Uh, no, you know I,
0: I am not here to not offend people. So okay, cool. uh, you can me say whatever you, yeah, whatever you want. I, let's talk about what you're doing now, because one of the things mm-hmm. I think is really cool is that you've translated the learning you've taken, the, the love of sales and the learning that you've taken from them. And you've actually made a career out
1: of coaching and helping. So tell mm-hmm. me a little bit more about that. So I work for Curlin and Associates, which is Dave Curlin. I mentioned before I work with Dave and Dennis Connolly. So I had reached out to Dennis. I think it was 2020. It was, it was around the time of COVID and I was at a, uh, at a company where I was preparing to make my exit. I had hit my goals. I had done what I want to. And the fun as we're talking about, you know, this is a really good sales question when someone mm-hmm. comes to you or you're talking to someone that maybe wasn't interested a year ago and now they're reaching out. What changed? Like we Mm -hmm. leave that question out all the time. What changed? You know, we spoke a while ago, didn't come up, and now you're calling me. Did something happen? So I could sense that things were changing as this company was growing, and I reached out to Dennis and I asked him how how did you get your start in sales consulting? And for whatever reason, in my head, I believed I just this is a I guess a self limiting belief. This is something we talk about. I believed Mm -hmm. that I had to be forty. I don't know why, just to, to get the respect of coaching or consulting for anyone older than me, or at least I I had to be around long enough. And so I spoke with Dennis, he looked at my score. He remembered me from, I think it was at that time, nine or 10 years before. And he looked at my, uh, OMG score or objective management score from the evaluation. He said, no, this looks really good. Let me give Dave a call. And within, I don't know, four to six weeks, I was working for Curlin. And so what does that mean? That means that I work for a firm and we help companies who are struggling with, it could be anything, but typically something's off. Revenue, sales related, not enough new business, losing business, whatever it is. So we will come in and we assess what's broken or what's nearly completely broken or what needs improvement. So being in this realm and consulting for any industry, because sales is sales, and using a process and using a methodology that works for any industry, truly, I am, I, I use this term and hopefully this doesn't offend him. I hope he takes pride in this, but I feel like I'm working with Yoda, being around Dave Curland, Like he he can say something off the cuff that's just a side comment that blows my mind. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is why I need to just keep just just talking just even just a regular conversation. And so I'm learning as much as I can from him. I'm learning as much as I can from Dennis and putting everything into practice while starting to understand. I mean, I I don't think I've to date, I haven't consulted for the same industry twice. This might be too much information, but what I thought when I was coming into this was I thought that I would come in and we'd do uh, something like an eight-month engagement. And at the end of the eight months, we move on to someone else. And what I've been noticing, and this is for me, and this is not my soapbox moment, this is not my pat myself on the back moment, but if things are going well, and if they're really Getting value from you. And when I'm saying them, I'm saying the companies that we help, they keep you around. And I think that I am worth my weight in gold, not only because of the knowledge that I'm able to absorb from Dave and Dennis and just all of the information, all of the recordings Dave has out there, all of the role plays. Dave's got like, I'm pulling this, I'm shooting from the hip here, but I think Mm -hmm. he's got. I wouldn't be surprised if he had, and this could be way off. But I wouldn't be surprised if he has ten thousand articles. I, I you can attest to this or not. No,
0: he's got a. I know he's got a ton. He's so a ton. it's one of the
1: reasons I yeah, I absolutely
0: love working working with them because they we we share content really with you guys because we share content really well and it, mm-hmm. and his ideas are. I mean, to to put it this way, I, I think they're just very foundational, mm-hmm. right? Meaning. <laughs> It it's, it's, uh, foundational and really well done. Right. Really so well done. And, and so you can start to, like you did, right. There are ideas that you can build a, a career off of a company off of, and an industry off of, mm-hmm. uh,
1: if you just practice, right. And, uh, um, practice, 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 practice. And this is, um, this is not my, it's not my wording and he didn't, I'm sure he wasn't the first one to say this. I know he wasn't, but this is just something I picked up from him the other day and watching him coach in a sales leadership intensive. But practice, practice, practice. Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. So we want to make sure we're practicing the right things. And being that I have this exposure and being that I have access to all of this brilliant and it's nothing short of genius information, I'm fortunate to be in a position where I'm learning the right things every day and I'm drilling the right things every day. And then when I'm, when I'm working with the teams that I'm helping, I'm, that's like me scrimmaging or that's me going into game mode. So I'm able to execute everything that I'm learning and put it through to them. So I'm getting the reps and I think for let me take a step back. I jumped into this as well. I like it. I want to help people, but I want to, I want to master sales. And the only way to master something is to be able to teach it to others. And then when you teach it to others, to be able to repeatedly teach it because I've got blind spots, but I'm looking out for everyone's blind spots. So I'm constantly refreshing. Maybe someone is in the beginning of their selling journey. Maybe it's a VP of sales that needs leadership help, but I'm constantly looking for these spots. And because I'm doing that, I've got a thousand times the reps of anyone else because I'm helping all the time. And that's, I mean, if, if there is anything to it, that that's what I love is being able to help, but also being able to gain knowledge while helping. Um, yep. Yeah, it, it's been a beautiful thing. I couldn't be happier.
0: Well, no, that's awesome, and I know you are. I know you are knocked out of the park, and you, this was this was fantastic. I think uh, people get a, a lot of great info from it. How do people find you online if they want to get in touch with Derek?
1: So I'm pretty, I'm annoyingly active on LinkedIn. Annoyingly, (laughs) I don't like, I don't like, in general, I don't like people that post on LinkedIn as much as I do, but that's something that I had to do when entering this, uh, this industry. So LinkedIn, you can find me D bear and that's D B a E R at curling K U R L a N associates. Which you know, but a s s o c i a t e s dot com. So those com. would be the two best ways to get a hold of me.
0: Awesome. Well, I will make sure that we post those uh, those ways to get a hold of you on the mm-hmm. pod. And uh, any anything that you want to wrap up with?
1: Yeah, anything that I want to wrap up with? Yes. Um, I, more than practicing and reading and learning is so important. But taking care of yourself and your body and your mental health is going to be the difference between you being successful and not. And if I, if I toss and turn all night and I sleep four hours, I am not the same version of myself as if I get eight hours of quality sleep. And if I'm not hydrated and we talked a little bit about self limiting beliefs, but if I wake up and I'm thinking, Oh man, they're not going to take my call. They don't want to hear me. I don't sound good versus. I can't wait to get on the phones. They would be crazy not to take my call. I can't wait to talk to them because they're going to love me. They're going to have very, very different outcomes. So take care of yourself and know that your job is not to sell people. And when I say sell people, your job is not to convince people to buy shit they don't need. Your job is to find people that need your help. And by asking simple questions, you can save yourself a lot of time like, Hey, Paul, I sell, you know, whatever pickup trucks. You say, I've got the best pickup truck in the world. Great. I probably don't have anything for you. If I ask you a couple of questions, you say, yeah, I've got these big dogs. I'm driving a Mazda Miata. It's kind of been troubling me. Maybe I can interest you in this Ford F-250. So go out and find the people that need you and your life, your career, your stress levels will be well your life and career will be better your stress levels will be at a minimum because the job will be fun and people will be grateful to have you there to help them
0: awesome and I think we need to do, we're gonna words. need to do a whole nother episode on this take care of yourself uh <laughs> side but with that Mm -hmm. I am going to bring us to a close and say thank you so much, Derek. It's been awesome for anybody that, uh, like I said, wants to get in touch with Derek. Make sure you check him out online. You can also uh, email him and we'll make sure that everything there is posted. Everybody, thank you so much for coming today. It's been awesome to have you. Awesome to learn from Derek and keep shining bright. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Paul. Thank you so much for listening to the art and science of complex sales. This podcast is sponsored by Membrane and our partners from around the globe. Here at Membrane, we believe that B2B sales is at a crossroads. Due to decades of quantity-based prospecting, information overload, and really a shift towards efficiency over service and pitching over leadership in sales, customers are saying enough is enough. They're tuning out average performers and choosing to take most of the buying journey on their own. This results in up and down sales results, forecasts that are all over the place, and salespeople that are half committed due to the fact that they're having poor results and they have an inability to truly connect with customers. We believe the road successful companies are taking to combat this is threefold. Number one, training to create leaders and executives across all areas of the team with strong habits and sales methodologies that bring value. Number two, technology. Technology that focuses and helps a salesperson succeed and reinforces great habits, rather than wasting their time on filling out fields for reporting or wasting their time on spamming customers that have no interest in ever buying. Third, talent. And I'm talking about talent that's empowered and emboldened to make a difference for their customers and their companies. So where are you on that journey? Membrane and our network of partners across the globe are here to help and to elevate the sales profession. We streamline critical technology by combining CRM, training, and enablement, and more into one seamless platform. We drive best-in-class methodologies through our partners. They provide the top thought leadership methodologies and resources from across the globe. And our collective efforts are dedicated to recruiting, training, coaching, and empowering and measuring the habits of the top teams in the world to ensure success. Join us at Membrane.com to learn more. And thank you so much for listening.